With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Or do not get out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big soap? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. No. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. It's not sustainable for our country. We have millions and millions of people here. It is not sustainable. That, of course, is Donald Trump, and he did a little town hall last night while the other candidates for president who don't have a prayer of getting the nomination were holding uh, their own debate in Iowa. Donald Trump was actually using his time productively, and instead of debating the issues, he was making promises that in January of next year, when he becomes president of the United States, and I'm confident that's going to happen, that he has said we will have a massive deportation of illegal aliens, because to use that liberal progressive term that Trump used, it is not sustainable. And if you've looked around at what's going on in America right now, the disaster in New York City, where they literally evicted thousands of school kids from their own high school to make room for illegal aliens to spend the night in their high school. And you think, is that sustainable? Is it sustainable to have 300,000 people every single day coming across our border? I want to talk about this issue because there's a great example of where this illegal alien problem that for an awful lot of people might seem like kind of a distant issue. You're not an employer who hires illegals and you think, well, it's really not affecting me that much. Let me give you a great example out of Boulder, Colorado. But first, welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. And if you want to join in, we always make that easy at 866-HEY-LARS. And for naysayers, those who might disagree with my point of view or my calling illegal aliens what they are, illegal aliens, naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You can uh, send me an email instead, talk at LarsLarson.com. And you can also go vote in our X poll, used to be called Twitter, but you can find it on X at Lars. Larson show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. But it's definitely not sustainable. Now, you might say, Lars, you've got a dog in the fight on this one because about 50 years ago, a little more than 50 years ago, my mom was killed by a drunk driver. But the drunk driver who killed my mom uh, was not an illegal alien, was an American citizen. And if you say, well, Lars, what difference does it make? The person who killed my mom 
could not have been removed from the country and kept out of the country because the person who did that deed back then, more than 50 years ago, was an American citizen. But let me give you an example out of Boulder, Colorado, because this is as ugly as it gets, and it is, in effect, an indictment of all of the policies, both sanctuary state policies, sanctuary city policies, which far too many cities and states have adopted, saying, if we catch an illegal alien committing a crime, we will not turn him or her over to ICE. We will not have him turned over for deportation. And th this example involves exactly those circumstances. It really brings home what Donald Trump talked about when he came down that escalator in 2015 to announce for president and the liberals ran around like their hairs on fire because one of the most notable things he said in announcing for office was when foreign countries have their illegal alien citizens come into our country without permission, they do not send their best. They send murderers, they send rapists, they send thieves. And we immediately got the response with, well, they're not all criminals. And in fact, I'm going to suggest to you that Nikki Haley, who's running as an alleged Republican, says exactly that. Well, they're not criminals. Well, if you enter somebody else's country illegally and then you work illegally and you identify yourself illegally and then you drive illegally and drive drunk illegally, how many kinds of criminal are you going to be? Example number one, Jose Guadalupe Menjavar Alas, who had been arrested and deported that we know of at least four different times. Arrested, removed from the country, told don't come back. When you are deported from the United States, immigration law in America is very simple. The first time you come in, it is considered a federal civil offense. You get a fine and that sort of thing, and you get booted out of the country. If you've been deported and you come in again not legally, the second time is a criminal offense. So this guy was at least a criminal under immigration law three different times. But when he came to America, do you know what he liked to do? He apparently liked to drink and drive and drive intoxicated because he had been tagged any number of times for DUI. Guess what happened the last time? He shows up in front of a judge, a four times deported illegal alien. He's now been arrested one more time after a string of DUIs. And what does the judge do? Does he turn him over to ICE? No. Colorado is a sanctuary state. Boulder, Colorado, very liberal, is a sanctuary city. So what does the judge do? He cuts him loose. And four days later, a young lady by the name of Melissa Powell and her son Reardon were merely driving down the road, and this drunk driving, previously deported, illegal alien criminal crashes into them. The illegal alien ended up alive. Missy Powell and her son Reardon ended up dead. Now, that's where this illegal alien problem comes home. And if you think, well, that'll never happen to me, I'd be willing to bet Melissa Powell and her son Reardon also thought, and their family and friends might have thought, this will never happen to us, but Colorado is a sanctuary state. So if you live in a sanctuary state or in a sanctuary city, understand this is the practical result of that. And then I want you to consider this, because we've had it laid out for us very, very clearly. I know that there are people who say, well, deciding who's going to be the next president of the United States, for independence, they sometimes say, well, it's kind of a tough choice. Let me make the choice crystal clear. Does anybody doubt what Joe Biden's attitude is toward illegal aliens? 
He's had nine million of them, according to his Customs and Border Protection, come into this country in the last three years. Nine million in three years. He has not only done nothing to stop it, he's done everything to facilitate it. So who's running against him? Donald Trump? Let me uh, let me play first a soundbite from Nikki Haley to give you an idea of where alleged Republican Nikki Haley comes down on this issue. Take a but listen to this. Let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They So we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. Well, I got to tell you something. Jose Alas was a criminal because he had come back into our country at least three times after being deported. Now, what does Donald Trump promise when he's elected this fall? Because Nikki Haley not only isn't going to get the nomination, she doesn't have a snowball's chance of winning even against somebody like Joe Biden. So what did Trump promise yesterday? We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back where they came from we have no choice we have no choice no we have no choice except you have a choice when that vote comes in november here are the choices you have you allow joe biden to continue to bring in about a million or no two million people every single year it may even be three or four million based on the most recent numbers three hundred thousand in just the month of december or you can get donald trump S stop the border entry and deport millions of illegal aliens. That's a fairly clear-cut choice, if you ask me. 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. You can't fix stupid. Stupid is forever. But you surely can vote them out. This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say. 
This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Democrat lawmakers in Oregon and Washington seem almost intent on making problems worse instead of better. Two examples today, party of slavery reps in Washington have proposed a 5% cap on rent. With rising Joe Biden inflation and crazy increases in state and local taxes and fees, that virtually guarantees less housing and even higher rents in the future. Three things happen. It retards housing construction. It pushes out mom-and-pop landlords. And the government scoops up the properties. Does the term public housing bring the same kind of images to your mind that it does to mine? Second, Oregon's insane experiment with de facto hard drug legalization, Measure 110, brings one of America's highest rates of addiction and overdose deaths by the hundreds. Measure 110 has failed, and the bodies are now piling up. So what do the supermajority Democrats propose for the February legislative session? Rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. They want to make drug use and possession, which used to be a crime and today is a ticket you don't even have to pay. They want to turn it into a minor misdemeanor crime, only, well, it has about zero chance of pushing addicts into treatment. So. They want to appear to be doing something when they know that what they're doing is not going to change the situation. Sounds like the Democrat Party to me. So we sacrifice more family members to overdoses. Joe Biden's buddies and the Mexican cartels bring in billions of dollars. And Oregon's crime and Washington's crime and violence continue. Elections truly do have consequences. Our question of the day, this one comes in from John in Lake Oswego. Hey, Lars, it's rich. I heard this morning on your station a news report about the inequality of taxes in the state of Oregon. It seems it's been determined that the working poor pay a disproportionate amount of taxes compared to middle and high income earners. So their solution being worked out right now is a proposal to raise taxes on middle and high income earners to make the tax more for the working poor and more proportional to those paid by those earning even more. There was, of course, no discussion of simply lowering the taxes on the poor, allowing them to pay less, just raising it on middle and high income wage earners in order to make it fairer to the poor. Somehow making others pay more will help the ones that already pay too much. You can't make this stuff up, signed John. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I want to give today's Daily Grill to the city of Spokane. I lived there for about a year. It used to be a nice city. But they've done something, and one of the amazing things is that Seattle and Portland didn't beat them to it. While both Seattle and Portland, Washdot and ODOT, are all explaining as we head up to some likely snow tonight, tomorrow, and into the weekend, what is Spokane doing? You got Washdot and ODOT saying, why, we don't have enough people to plow all that snow. We don't have enough money to pay for all of that. I mean, these are multi-billion dollar agencies. So what did Spokane do that's even worse than that? Spokane will soon get the city's first purpose-built, meaning they went out and ordered up one of these things to be built. A sweeper and plow to remove snow and debris, sounds good so far, from protected bike lanes, which are too narrow for most of the city's equipment to navigate. 
So in other words, for all the people who want to go out and ride their bicycles on snow and ice, the city is going to have a special snow plow built just for the bike lanes. The plow is not expected to arrive in time for this year's snow season, though. It could be the first step toward building additional protected bike lanes, says Councilman Zach Zapone. Double Z apparently co-sponsored the funding. It's going to cost $550,000 to buy one of these special snow plows just for the bike lanes. By the way, in the first segment of the show, I might have said 300,000 illegal aliens per day. That was a mistake. It is, of course, 303,000 illegal aliens who came in last month, the month of December. If I said day, uh, day that was an error. Today's best email, you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com, comes in from Trevor Beard. Lars, I run a community page for the city of Banks called Banks for All, and Jody Haley, a vocal Banks conservative and former school board member, shared a post that a friend she knew applied for a barista position at a drive through coffee stand in the small town of Banks. Three out of four of the questions asked of her were pretty common questions based on employment history, but the fourth what are your views on what's currently going on in Palestine? This is such blatant discrimination. Why would an employer post that they would base offering employment on an answer regarding an opinion on current events? If you mention this, well, just talk about it. So here's, here's the, the, the answer I wrote back. And I said, listen, um, unfortunately or fortunately, it is legal to discriminate on your political point of view. I could, I don't, but I could say to my producers or likely producers, prospective producers, I'm not going to hire you unless you voted for Donald Trump. I don't do that, but I could. I could say I'm only going to hire Republicans or Democrats. I don't, but I could. Uh, that's legal. What is illegal is discrimination based on race, religion, national origin, skin color, gender, disability, and a few other things, uh, primarily immutable characteristics of a person. But in this case, can you discriminate based on somebody's politics? Yes, you can. And would you make it illegal to discriminate? Just remember, that knife cuts both ways. Let's go to Craig. Hey, Craig, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. And Thursday, Conspiracy Theory Thursday on the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Well, conspiracy, uh, a little bit, but I just saw that they are, Portland Parks are naming uh, a park in Portland for Darcel. Uh, yep. And I was just curious how they're getting away with that, uh, you know, because out of all the people that we could, nothing against Darcel, but out of all the people we could have chose to name and dedicate a park to, we're dedicating it to Darcel. And I'm just curious how they're getting away with that and why. We, as uh, I'm a conservative Christian, um, uh, born and raised here in Portland, Oregon, my whole life, uh, run a business here, and for the first time, I really thought I might have to figure out how to get out of the state. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I would imagine that isn't the only reason that you might get out. But, look, I, I had met over the years Darcel, the person who performed as Darcel, as a man who dressed as a woman quite, you know, convincingly back in the day, um, they can get away with it because nobody in a progressive, a liberal progressive town like Seattle or Portland, in this case Portland, is going to stand up other than people like you and me and object to it. And you're right. I could come up with a long, long list of people who ought to have parks named after them who are also performers. But they're doing this out of political correctness. They want to just, they want to do virtue signaling. And the reason they can get away with it is they understand the vast majority of, of voters in the city are not going to object to it. A few will, but the vast majority will not. It's a very, very liberal city. 
I mean, Republican registration in the city, the last time I checked, was maybe 13%. And I would guess that most of those are rhinos who are going to vote for Nikki Haley. Uh, the answer to your question specifically is they're doing it because they can. Now, should they be honoring other people who've been performers, whether it's James DePriest? I could come up with a list of people uh, that were very were very good performers, have passed away, and ought to have parks named after them. And I'm with you. They're doing this just to say, we're so liberal, we're going to honor this person because of the kind of performance Darcel did. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. John Kennedy gets it. Mr. President, you just got to try harder not to suck. Well said, Mr. Kennedy. We agree. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Now, there are times where you see the proposals that are being made to the state legislatures in Oregon and Washington that seem to suggest that state lawmakers have decided we've solved all the major problems of the day, and now we can focus on the minutiae. Here's a case in point. Bill Ramos, who is the Democrat Party representative from Issaquah, and he's chair of the State Government and Tribal Relations Committee, he's proposed a resolution to amend the state constitution. And what is he all head up about? He says the state constitution is full of male pronouns, and he wants to replace them with gender-neutral terms or titles. Now, I know that's the popular thing to do today. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was taught English, uh, mostly uh, the, the, the formal stuff I got in public school, being taught by unionized public school teachers, uh, I had a great English teacher. I can't for the life of me remember her name, but she was, she was a fantastic teacher. And she explained that when you're writing sentences and you need to use a generic term for people, you use he or him. Now, that gets some people excited. Doesn't get me excited, because if you understand the meaning of the term, if you come to a sentence and you want to refer to a group of people, and that group of people may be men, it may be women, it may be children, it may be the elderly, it might be a bunch of people, if you have to write the sentence that way, you're going to write it and say, when an applicant brings his application to the office, you say, you said his instead of his and her and pronoun and blah 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 so what he wants to do is remove the male pronouns. Do we really need to take the male generic pronouns out of state constitutions? If you understand the English language at all, you understand that when you say he, it means both he and she. It, involve, it may mean children, it may mean the elderly, it may mean a bunch of people. It's just the generic term. And you say, well, replace it with they. And I'll tell you what, they is a plural. I don't know about you, but I think there's a difference between singulars and plurals. In fact, just yesterday, I was talking to our friend Angus Lee, who's a criminal defense attorney, and he was pointing out that when they write court documents now, they are using they when they're referring to a single person in a sentence. And you say, well, how important is that? I'll tell you what, when you get into a court case, whether it's a criminal case or a civil case, if you refer to a person as they, 
You could say, well, that document doesn't just refer to my client. It refers to more than one person, doesn't it? I mean, you create all kinds of problems. And I don't know about you, but had you read some of the news stories they're writing recently where they get somebody who's one of these pronoun nuts who decides, I don't want to be called he, I don't want to be called she, I want to be referred to as they. And all of a sudden, you've got all kinds of problems that the story appears to refer to a number of people doing something, when in fact the story is only referring to one person because you're using a plural you know, a pronoun instead of using a singular, like he or she. I want to be polite to people. If there's a group of people and you want to say he or she, that's fine. But it isn't he or she. It's referring to one person. And let me point out one little wrinkle that may not have occurred to Democrat Party, uh, Democrat Party rep, uh, Bill Ramos of Issaquah. Section one of the or of the Washington state constitution, which is labeled who liable to military duty. All able-bodied male citizens of this state between the ages of 18 and 45, uh, except as provided by laws of the United States, shall be liable to military duty. Are you going to change that to they? Are you going to change it to he or she? Because then you're saying something that isn't true, as you know. All men in this country are required to sign up for selective service at age 19. If you're between 19 and 26, you have to sign up for selective service. It's just in case someday the country might need to institute a draft. We haven't had a draft since before 1975. I doubt we're going to have one today. Although if Joe Biden keeps running down the military in a way that's brought recruitment levels to a record low, Maybe they're trying to force the return of the draft. But even if they do return the draft, it's males between the age of 18 and 45. It's not females. So are they going to rewrite Section 1 of the Washington State Constitution so it refers to a generic pronoun like they, which would refer to both men and women and those who can't figure out which one they are? And among the Democrat Party members, there are a whole bunch of them that can't figure out what a woman is. I mean, if you don't believe me, go back and watch the testimony of Katenji Brown Jackson, the Democrat appointee, the Biden appointee to the U.S. Supreme Court, who when asked, can you tell me what a woman is? is she confessed that she is not a biologist so even though she is a woman she couldn't answer under oath to a senate confirmation committee about what a woman is i mean this is how lost some of the democrats are and now this guy bill ramos you know member of the democrat party and state representative in washington says we've got to go back and take all the male pronouns out of the state constitution because somehow that's offensive to somebody I'd love to hear a naysayer on that. And how are you going to work out the military duty that those people are subject to? 866-HEY-LARS is the number to join the best conversation in talk journalism. If you want to die, email in, it's talk at LarsLarson.com. And you can vote in our Twitter poll, do we really need to take the male or generic pronouns out of the state constitutions? My answer to that would be no. You can answer any way you like. It's brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now, in yesterday's poll, here's what I asked. Because we had seen two nights ago, all of the kids at one school, James Madison High School in Brooklyn, New York, 
were told you're not going to school the next day. Parents were told your kid will not be in school, will promise to do some kind of online education, which apparently didn't happen either for a lot of the kids. And they occupied the school with a bunch of illegal aliens that were at a tent that blew down. They brought in 2,000 illegal aliens to make the high school their home. And I told you that while I disagree with Elon Musk about plenty of things, I thought he was absolutely right. He said when the big cities like New York run out of hotels to fill with illegal aliens and they use the schools and they run out of those, they're going to come after your houses. And just this week, the city of Boston has announced that it is declaring an emergency and is asking for people to volunteer space in their homes to house illegal aliens. So I ask you this. Should American schools be off limits to house Joe Biden's invasion of illegal aliens? 94% of you agreed with me and said yes. Only 6% of you said no. To your calls now. Let's go to John in Salmon Creek. Hey, John, welcome to uh, Conspiracy Theory Thursday. What's on your mind today? Oh, I was just listening to uh, the uh, pronouns and all that. Uh, I was thinking, gosh, if they wanted to change the uh pronouns to they and them state-wise, what would we have to do with uh, things like all men are created equal and uh, uh, it just all seems... All pronouns I was are equal. created equal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, where does this kind of silliness end to just accommodate a very few people that have a uh, differing opinion? But I, too, studied English. I took Latin, and uh, I hate to see the abuse of our language. And, and uh, what was it? It was said some time ago, when you can control people's language, you can control them. Yes, you can. John, I appreciate the call. 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. So Chris Christie dropped out of the running for the president presidency last night. Apparently, they opened a new buffet in his hometown. Uh, that may be the reason. We're going to get Jim Gossett, our parody guy's take on that. I want to talk about sound transit. I'll get more of your phone calls. It's Conspiracy Theory Thursday, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio North. West Network. And I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to IRAAdvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at IRAAdvantage.com. in control. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government 
what it is allowed to do. This is the Lars Larson Show. Cause nobody wants him Who's quitting cause he has no support I hope his mag attraction still haunts him Everyone knows it's Christie Who is the GOP's biggest rhino Who hasn't seen his feet in ten years He is the traitor that you and I know Everyone knows it's Christie because he never Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. That's our great parody guy, the Jim Gossett. And it is a pleasure to be with you on uh, Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Uh, glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. And as always, for more than a quarter of a century, we've always put naysayers to the head of the line at 866-439-5277 here on the Radio Northwest Network. So let's go to Bob, who's calling in from Corvallis, listening either on our flagship KVI, uh, K KXL or on Clue. Uh, Bob, welcome to the program. What do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer? I think I disagree about the border, Lars, and that we're not being um, thinking long-term enough. But I think we should actually declare war on the border because we're bringing chemicals across, which is the, you know, against the Geneva Convention, and we're poisoning 100,000 of our people. And we haven't declared war since uh, World War II with the Senate and the Congress. But I think there should actually be articles of war written up and declare war, and it would create a national conversation. That was, but that but was, when we, if we, if we declare war, you have to declare war on something, usually a country. Like uh, we declared yeah. war on Japan, we declared war on Germany, uh, we declared war, and the most generic was the global war on terror because there really wasn't a country you could name. But declaring war on a line on a map, is that what you're suggesting? Yep. Yes, I am. And it would be it would name China, it would name Mexico, it would name the cartels and the people that are... We're going to declare war on China? Aren't you getting ahead of Joe? Joe's trying to get war with China right now over something well, else. No, I'm talking about just on our borders, specifically on our borders. So it would be a border war like we had with Mexico at one time. Or Who do we shoot? The cartel members, the people that are... They're not on the border. The, they're, they're hanging out. They're counting their billions down wherever they are. Uh, they, could, they, they could be almost anywhere. They might be in Mexico City, but they're not hanging out on the border. they got their foot soldiers up there. But, uh, you know, so you'd effectively be declaring war on Mexico, right? On the border. Not, not invading their country, but be crossing the border, bringing in the poison. We would be declaring war on it. We would protect our border with a declaration of war at that oh, border. Okay, that, it sounds that, interesting. It's an interesting theory. I'm not quite sure how it works. You also want, you? we disagree on the national debt? What about it? Yeah, so on the national debt, I'll tell you where we disagree. I think that the money that's in the Fed and the money that's in the Treasury, both of those sums of money that have been printed out of nothing, every citizen's already paid for by the lack of or the devaluation of the dollar. So I think all that money should be scooped up from the Fed and the Treasury and placed into Social Security, and it should be reduced from our national debt because it was printed out of thin air. But but putting it to another use doesn't get rid of it. It just transfers oh, what yes, it's it being. does because they, they hold that money in their accounts in some form or another. Ones and money. zeros, usually. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but, 
But, but so if you transfer all those ones and zeros over to Social Security, it's still an obligation of the U.S. government because every one of those dollars or hundred dollar bills has been printed uh, is represents an obligation of the U.S. government. So you haven't right, you, but the obligation. So if you print that money and you put it in Social Security and actually keep it for Social Security, then you reduce. So. Why are we paying for it twice when it was printed out of thin air, and why is it an obligation? I guess that's the big question. I'm not sure it makes. I'm not sure it gets rid of it. And by the way, Social Security. I mean, they don't have the dollars in there, but every time the government borrowed money from Social Security, they replaced it with Treasury bills, which are effectively the same thing—a promissory note from the U.S. government, isn't it? I believe you're correct. And so, how how do you pay promissory notes by by printing more money, right? Yeah, you know, my point is we're never going to pay the debt back, not a penny of it. But I'm saying if you reduce the debt by the 10 or $12 billion, trillion dollars that they hold in the Fed and they hold in the Treasury, and, and sometimes what they're holding there are mortgages and things they've bought from bad banks, but whatever the residual So is, they might be giving your mortgage to Social Security? Where are you going to live then? No, no, not my mortgage. I'm talking about whatever... Whatever deeds that they're holding that quote unquote have value, you fund Social Security with it. So with with more paper, still paid. That's correct. Okay. Well, it sounds it sounds like kind of like what we got right now. But I appreciate the call on a conspiracy theory Thursday. Let's go to Diane. Hey, Diane, welcome to Conspiracy Theory Thursday. What's on your mind? Hey. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate sure. that you express your opinion. But I'm really disappointed in you when you reference Chris Christie and talk about the thing. You're following all Trump's Trump's method of, of speaking and being a bully and making fun of people. And and I wish you were a better example for Americans, for our kids, for everybody. Shouldn't we make fun of a guy like Christie who isn't really a Republican and doesn't have a prayer being president and he ran probably to fatten his own bank account? It doesn't matter. Oh, well, see, I think it does. But I appreciate the call, Diane. You got the Lars. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden.
Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's Conspiracy Theory Thursday, and it's always glad, I'm always glad to be with you. And welcome to the program and the best conversation in talk journalism. You want to join in in a moment, 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And don't forget to vote in our X poll. Used to call it the Twitter poll, now it's the X poll. Question is, do we really need to take male generic pronouns out of state constitutions? That proposal... That proposal is actually being made by a Democrat in the Washington State Legislature, which is not why I called up Senator Mike Padden from Spokane Valley. I wanted to talk about a different kind of piece of legislation that's being introduced for this session in Olympia. Senator Padden, welcome back. Oh, good to be with you again, Lars. Can I, while, while we have a moment, can I ask you, do you think we need to take all the male pronouns out of the Washington State Constitution? No, no, and I think we've got a lot more important things to do. We're very happy today. The Secretary of State uh, gave the legislature uh, the signatures on the uh, police uh, pursuit initiative. So that will be read in tomorrow and uh, it'll officially be something the legislature has to act on. We expect all five other initiatives to be read in uh, later this month. I guess, you know, I was griping the other day, Senator Patton, that in Oregon you have referendum and you have initiative. In Washington you have initiative and then you have initiative to the legislature. And that's how those six ballot measures uh, were submitted. And I think all of them did, uh, all of them are either likely to get the required number of signatures. I don't know if they've confirmed that or not. But is that a good idea to, to try to get change by asking the very folks who, for the most part, have not been willing to fix problems, to fix a problem. Does does that actually have a prospect for working? Well, it does, because if the legislature takes no action, it goes on the ballot in November of this year, and the people themselves have a chance to vote on it. It gives the legislature an, uh, an opportunity to enact it themselves. I don't think the Democrats will enact any of these, uh, or set an alternative to the voters along with what's in the initiative. I'd be very surprised if they even do an alternative. So um, it's a tremendous accomplishment that uh, uh, Republican uh, German State Representative Jim Walsh and, and Mr. Hayward had, who helped finance it, uh, to get these signatures. But I mean, the important point, over 400,000 Washingtonians signed each one of these six initiatives. Yep, so, uh, and I was glad to see it. And by the way, I saw the House Speaker was giving a hard time to Mr. Haywood, uh, apparently condemning the idea of rich people doing that, uh, when in fact she had not condemned the idea of other rich folks, like the late Paul Allen and others who backed ballot measures or initiatives. But apparently she thinks if conservatives have rich friends who do it, then it's bad. But if Democrats have rich friends, then it's okay. Do I understand the yeah. process in Olympia now? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right on, on that. And I think people see right through that and they focus more on all the citizens that have actually signed this. I guess I would just think that if I remember the legislature, not that I ever, ever aspire to do anything like that, Senator, so don't worry uh, that I'm not going to move back to the Spokane Valley and run against you. But if you've got 
you got 400,000 citizens who said, take some action on this. And then the Democrats say, no, we're not going to, knowing to a fair certainty it's going to go to the ballot. And they, they probably know as well that the voters are likely to approve that. Isn't that just asking to get slapped upside the head metaphorically with a two by four? Well, I think so. But I mean, their base, the Democrats' base, all oppose these initiatives. And I think they're afraid of upsetting them. But I think they'd be smart politically to pass a couple of these. Because otherwise, when you call yourself a state representative, representative of what? Why? The people, of course. And you say, well, if the people tell you act on this and then you say, no, we're not going to act on it. And when you pass it anyway, we're not going to like it. Then how what kind of representative of the people are you if you've decided that when the people ask you to do something, you ain't going to do it? That's right. And, and on the one on the income tax, the people have spoken 10 times. So over and over again, I mean, I think these are they selected a great group of initiatives and uh, I sure hope they all pass. I hope so, too. Let's talk about the Given Name Act. Let's make it very simple. What would it require of public schools and how does this address a real issue that, that's that's a real front and center issue for parents and kids? Yeah, well, this is uh, Senate Bill 6026. Uh, and sponsored by myself, Senator McEwen and Senator Fortunato. And it, it simply would protect the rights of parents, their fundamental God-given rights to direct the care and upbringing, education, welfare of their children by indicating that they should be addressed by their given name uh, unless the parents have uh, okayed something different. And we have all sorts of uh, Supreme Court cases that talk about the fundamental right of parents to make child-rearing decisions, liberty interests protected in the 14th Amendment, and that public uh, employees don't have the right to over overturn that. But we have had regulations by our state superintendent of public instruction uh, that, that don't really follow this. So this is a need. This is something the Heritage Foundation has researched and is encouraging throughout the nation. And... The surveys that have been done, uh, Lars, uh, indicate that the public's about 71% in favor. And they they want to know if all of a sudden their child is going to assume a different gender at school. And, of course, at the same time, they talk about the brain not being developed in adolescence and any criminal behavior should be excused or minimized because the brain isn't developed yet. On this, they, they do a complete flip-flop. Yeah, they do. And by the way, when the schools conspire to say Johnny comes to school but says Johnny now identifies as Susie, that when the school says we will have our employees call you by Susie, but we won't tell your parents that we're doing it, they're undercutting that connection between the kids and the parents. This would forbid that, right? Right, right. This would forbid it. And I mean... But so far as, you know, some places they got litter boxes in the in the bathrooms because some of the kids identify as cats. That's just we are living in bizarre times, Senator. Did you ever think <laughs> we'd have we'd have to have a law that direct public employee teachers to call their kids by the names given to them by their parents? I never thought it. I, I didn't even conceive of it back when when I was going to grade school or high school and it just uh, is mind-boggling to me. Well, I got to tell you something. I, I I can't wait to hear your 
uh, Democrat colleagues stand up and explain why they're against calling kids by their given names. Senator Patton, it's a pleasure as always. <laughs> Good luck in the legislature, because while you and your buddies are there, no man or woman's life, liberty, or property is safe these days, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Coming up in a moment i got to tell you about something. There have been some big developments just in the last couple of days, literally, about EVs involving billions of dollars of your money and big decisions by big companies to push back against Joe Biden's crazy EV agenda. I'll get into the details of that up next and arm you up with some facts. You're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Senator John Kennedy on the Washington establishment. The Washington establishment is working harder than an ugly stripper to cover up whatever happened. This is the Lars Larson Show. So, uh, Mr. Turk, why, why is it good for the American worker that we force our supply chains to a country that's our greatest rival and adversary. And why is it good for the American consumer? That is a great question from Missouri U.S. Senator Josh Hawley. And yet, even as the wheels are appearing to fall off the EV revolution that Joe Biden is funding with billions, hundreds of billions of your dollars, there's brand new evidence just this week and even today uh, that is just completely coming apart. The capo of the Biden crime family is cranking up to two-thirds of a billion dollars that he wants to send off to buy thousands of EV charging stations around America. And yet in the private sector, it appears that the private sector is saying, Joe, this isn't working for us and we're backing away from it fast. Glad to have you with me and welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. If you want to join in, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, glad to have you. Naysayers always go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to me. It's easy to remember. Talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our X poll. You can find us on X at Lars Larson Show. And the question is also at LarsLarson.com. But I've made the case that the wheels are coming off the EV revolution, no matter how many hundreds of billions of dollars Joe Biden pushes into it. Let me give you the latest evidence, and then we'll talk about what we already know, and then I'll get to some of your phone calls and emails. So, as of today, 
one of the biggest car-owning companies, not car-making, car-owning companies in the world, is Hertz Global Holdings. Now, why is that? Because they rent cars to people. So they know a lot about what it takes to rent, own, and operate vehicles. And guess what they just announced? They announced today they are going to sell 20,000 of their electric vehicles from their U.S. fleet. And why? Because of high expenses related to collision and damage, they're getting rid of 20,000 EVs, and they're going to go back to gas-powered cars. Now, does that mean they've gotten rid of all of their EVs? They'll probably try to work out the, you know, the rest of the life value of these cars they put in. Because um, Hertz had made this commitment that they were going to order 100,000 Teslas by the end of 2022. And they followed that up with a deal to buy about 65,000 units over five years from Polestar. Except now they're finding out just how very well EVs do not work. Here's a quote from their regulatory filing that they put out today. Expenses related to collision and damage primarily associated with EVs remained high in the quarter, the latest quarter. The company had previously set a target of 25% of its fleet to be electric by the end of this year, 2024. They expect about 245 million of incremental depreciation from the proposed sale of the fourth in the fourth quarter of 2023. In other words, they got a problem owning these cars. They're expensive. They're expensive to buy. They're expensive to operate. And they're now backing away. Now, how does that match up with what else is happening in the marketplace? Over the last two months, I've pointed out to you, number one, one of the big adopters of EVs, Ford Motor Company, that came out and announced with great fanfare their Ford F-150 Lightning pickup truck runs on batteries. Well, just before Christmas, as we ended last year, Ford Motor Company came out and said, we are cutting our production of that flagship EV, the Ford F-150 Lightning, in half. They were going to go from 3,200 units a month to 1,600 units a month. And why? Because they're piling up on the in the dealer showrooms and out on the lots where you buy cars. And it turns out that customers aren't buying them, at least not buying them fast enough to even consume current production. The only reason a company like Ford would say, we're not going to make as many of those cars in the near future as we had planned to make. They had planned to make more than 3,000 a month. They're going to cut that back in half. Why? Because they ain't selling. That's a problem. And yet consider what Joe Biden is announcing today. He's awarding $623 million, two-thirds of a billion dollars in grants to build an electric vehicle charging network across the nation. So you've got Joe Biden spending gigantic sums of your money to build EV chargers at the same time that major players in automotive, in all, in EVs, including Ford Motor Company, including some of the other big uh, car making companies are saying we're backing off of this stuff. Now, this is a problem. And it's not just a problem because Americans aren't buying the EV mandate. But guess what? Josh Hawley, U.S. Senator from Missouri, also points out, hey, what a coincidence. The Joe Biden crime family made a lot of money in China, millions of dollars by Hunter Biden selling influence on behalf of then Vice President Joe Biden. And now who's the big winner when it comes to electric vehicles and the batteries and the chargers? Take a listen to the comment that Josh Hawley made just before the U.S. Senate this week. Currently, one nation accounts for 60 percent of the world's electric vehicle production. That nation is 
China. Yeah. One Nation accounts for 76% of the world's lithium-ion battery production. That nation is? China. China. So China wins big. The Biden crime family got millions of dollars. American taxpayers are paying the cost. So guess what the alternative is? Well, Donald Trump held a town hall yesterday. Instead of wasting his time with the also-ran candidate for president in Iowa, he instead held his own separate town hall meeting. And take a listen to the commitment that he's made when he becomes president in January of next year. On day one, I will also cancel Crooked Joe Biden's insane ethanol-killing electric vehicle mandate. That is the promise that Donald Trump has made. So one more clear-cut choice, because and oftentimes I hear from people, well, it's really hard to decide which candidate is better. Let's see, which candidate is going to close the border day one? Donald Trump. Which one's going to keep the border wide open for another invasion of millions of illegal aliens? Joe Biden. Which one is going to waste a lot of your money on battery-powered cars that Americans don't want to buy? That would be Joe Biden. Which one is going to kill the EV mandate on day one? Donald Trump. Seems like a pretty easy equation. To your calls now. Let's start with uh, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Well, I was thinking that I've had a great idea on how we could simply solve this whole illegal alien thing. Okay, we give just it go to out me. And find everybody that's got a Biden sticker on their car, and they get to house, clothe, and feed one illegal alien. <laughs> they just get to put their money where their mouth is. Boy, I'll tell you something, Jeff, by the way. I tend to notice these things. Have you seen a lot of Joe Biden bumper stickers on cars in your neck of the woods? I think I see a lot of scraped off stickers. Yeah, I see a lot of those, too, because I think a lot of people had buyer's remorse after 2020, uh, which was a fraudulent election anyway. But frankly, I mean, when Obama ran, I saw a lot of stickers of that. I saw a lot of Hillary Clinton stickers, although a lot of those are being scraped off as well. Joe Biden stickers... Not so very much. Uh, let me get one conspiracy theory in. Jason, you're going to have to make it quick. We're close to the break. Yeah, talk, talk about getting out the illegal vote. They're, they're flooding these Republican states with these, with these illegal votes. They're trying to sway these red states to blue. And inflation is not going down. It's going up. They've yep. been slowly going up, and then they're, they're bringing it down all of a sudden, just in time for the vote, to get out the vote. So, oh, yeah, we're bringing it down real quick for you, just in, just in time for election season. That's what they're doing, Jason. In fact, the state of Arizona has already said you can sign up to vote, just show us your proof of citizenship. But if you don't show us proof of citizenship, we'll still let you vote, but only in the presidential election. Arizona's doing that right now. You've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Portland. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our X poll, used to be called Twitter, now it's X, uh, at Lars Larson Show, and also on our website at LarsLarson.com. I want to welcome back to the program our friend Rabbi Yaakov Menken, Managing Director at the Coalition for Jewish Values, the largest rabbinic public policy organization in America. Rabbi, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hey, we, I want to talk to you about this lawsuit that's been brought uh, by South Africa against Israel and what the prospects for that are. But first, I want to ask you, what in the heck is the real story behind this tunnel that everybody's making such a big deal about that was discovered, um, you know, uh, near a Jewish synagogue in New York? What's going on there? Because I, for the life of me, I've read as many stories as I can on it. I, I can't still figure out what was that all about. Okay, so... 770 Eastern Parkway is the center of the Lubavitch Chabad movement. Now, there is a subgroup within that group that insists that one can worship and pray to the Rebbe. Now, that is a, and our Christian belief is, obviously, if you can pray to a man who was actually the God, but that's yep. not considered a traditional Jewish belief. So, Chabad has basically locked them out, and this group basically said, we're going to get into the building next door, we're going to smash through a wall in the basement, we're going to creep in, and we're going to gain access without, you know, the guys at the door blocking us from coming in. That's really the whole story. They made so it's it into a, a ridiculous thing. There are no tunnels. <laughs> there are no... Right, it's a bunch of miscreants, who are largely from Israel, apparently, by the way, who are, you know, creeping in, trying to creep in via another building, and that's the tunnel. It was really a broken-down wall. A broken-down wall, and I guess it was about two feet by two feet. It wasn't terribly large, but I, I just could I and, a, and I heard some references to what you were talking about. They, they still want to somehow memorialize a rabbi who died, what, back in the 1990s, and they want to pray to well, that guy instead of to God? That, that was the last leader of the Chabad movement, and most of the Chabad movement says this was our rabbinic leader. He, he may, in fact, be the Messiah, who knows, but we're going to wait for that. But as far as prayers, they go to God. This subgroup exactly. well, uh, was actually blocked out for their, uh, for their beliefs, basically. Well, and in fact, you know, Christians are the same way. I mean, I, I, I pray to Jesus Christ, but that is part of... You know, the Godhead. It's, it's, it's God and Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Okay, all three. I mean, even the Catholics somewhat go along with that, that you're not praying to a man, but you're praying to Son of Man, uh, which is Jesus Christ. So, but I just wonder, is, is most of the mainstream media so averse to even reporting on anything that has to do with a religion that even when the, a dispute like this has to do with religion, they won't explain the story? Because I, I must have read a dozen stories from different media and still couldn't figure it out till you just told me. That's basically the, the way it goes. I mean, obviously, a lot of reporters, they just don't understand their own religion, much less any other. So they don't know how to report the story. But this is this is why it's been uh, absolutely blown out of out, out of control, as if the tunnel here had something in common with the tunnels in Gaza, which is just so the, ridiculous. Which is kind of crazy because they can tell you everything about Palestine, a country that's never existed, but they can't explain what's going on in a local religious dispute. So let me ask you about this. Why is South Africa suing Israel, and is anybody going to take this seriously? Well, it's it's racist bigotry, and the problem is, of course, the International Criminal Court is supposed to have credibility. Uh, we are just, it's just completely outrageous. South Africa, for nearly 30 years, abandoned racism in law. Remember, they're the original apartheid country. Yep. So yep. now they're accusing Israel of genocide, I and mean, they're absolutely in service of Hitler's final solution while claiming it's the Israelis who are genocidal. Because obviously, 
There is no, not only is there no country Palestine, there's certainly no people called Palestinians unique amongst the Arab nation. Uh, in fact, for 2,000 years, Palestine, which of course is a European colonialist name for the Jewish homeland, resulted in Palestinians being a reference to Jews. From the time of the Palestinian Talmud, hundreds of years before any Arab stepped foot in the country, all the way through the 1930s when Miss Palestine spoke Yiddish. Uh, this is the idea that a Palestinian is an Arab, and therefore the, the uh, Israelis who are trying to stamp out the genocidal Hamas terror organization, which has genocide of the Jews in their charter, they want to stamp on, you know, that they're trying to do genocide against the Palestinians. It's just a, a, a rewrite of history. By the way, I'm, I'm talking to you from Union Station. As yeah. I was walking through Union Station, a man behind me yelled, Free Palestine. Oh, God. Now, I'm a Jew from Baltimore. Tell me this is about politics. Please. <laughs> this is all about Jew hatred, and South Africa has officially become racist felt. By the way, did you see that Harvard is now facing a new lawsuit because of anti-Semitism on campus? I mean, they, they got problems to beat the ban. That, that is not a surprise. In fact, I was honored to meet today with the chairwoman of the Committee on Education and the Workforce, Representative Virginia Fox, uh, talking about what they're planning to do next. And, and, and trust me, things are coming for the universities. She said that she told the university presidents when they came to meet with her in advance of the hearing, she said, I do not respect the institutions anymore as places wow. of higher education because you're not doing higher education anymore. No, they're doing politics. And, Rabbi, one of the things that's gotten under my skin lately is I looked up because I'd never, I hadn't looked it up, you know, I don't, I don't think ever. Harvard gets two-thirds of a billion dollars every year from the American taxpayers. And you say... You know, number one, why are we giving that kind of money to an institution that has a $51 billion endowment and they don't need it? Uh, but number two, if they're going to behave this way, all the more reason to cut them off from two-thirds of a billion, $625 million a year they get from the U.S. Treasury. And they're a private institution. 30 organizations at Harvard that are officially recognized by the university on October 10, before Israel had done anything in reaction, right after the massacre, they said, we blame the Jews for the whole thing. All of the violence in the region is to be blamed on Israel, a.k.a. the Jews. Now, they advocated, therefore, it, they, they literally said, as far as we're concerned, it's open season on Jews in, in their holy land. So if it's open season on Jews in their holy land, how is that not, according to Harvard, discriminatory against Jewish students? How is it that those organizations have faced no consequences for calling for genocide of all the Jews in Israel? And all these accusations coming from an institution that, among other things, supports plagiarism openly and protects plagiarists. Uh, and oh, and they've, done, they've done other crazy <laughs> things as well that, that make no sense. They don't have much moral high ground to stand on, do they? More to the point, Lars, if you refer to a biological male wearing a skirt as he, they will remove you from a teaching position. But if you advocate for genocide against Jews, that's okay. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Rabbi, thank you very much. I appreciate the time.
Thanks for having me. That is Rabbi Yaakov Mankin, live from Union Station. In any case, glad to get your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our X poll. You'll find it on X at Lars Larson Show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. Coming up on the Radio Northwest Network, a local taste of what's going on with a group, well, They've got a little full-page ad that's running supporting terrorism. And why is that happening in the Pacific Northwest? We'll talk about that next on the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Lots of folks worry about their firearms, but Lars doesn't have to worry about Biden taking his guns. He stores them upstairs. This is the Lars Larson Show. Big Iron on his Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. I'll do that in a moment. I want to talk first with Emma Lugo, who is president of KBU Community Radio. Uh, I guess you could call them our competition, but I don't think so. Um, but... Uh, the story came out that there will be a full-page ad calling for an immediate ceasefire in Israel's war in Gaza and an end to the blockade on aid to Gaza. Emma, welcome to the program, and thanks for taking the time. You're one of the few, uh, if I can say so, liberals who's willing to come on this program as a guest. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Why the ad? Um, well, I'm Jewish, and we are Palestinians and Jews who are working together because we want to add in the bloodshed that's happening right now. We feel it's a real humanitarian crisis, and we're dedicated to a shared future for Israeli Jews and Palestinians sharing the land together. So we're calling out what we're really concerned about is that there's been over 61,000 people injured and 22,000 people killed in Gaza. Over 80% of the population has been displaced. 50% of the housing has been destroyed. 30 of the hospitals have been destroyed. We're worried about people right now dying of starvation and of disease, and we would like an end to uh, we, we're calling for a ceasefire. So that's, that's, we're concerned about that. And I'm concerned about it too. I mean, as a Jew, I said, there's this idea in Jewish tradition. It's called pikuach nefesh. And it means to save a life. 
and it means that every life is valuable. Um, there's there's this story in the Talmud that when um, should you violate the Sabbath in order to save a life uh, if somebody's been buried under the rubble? Right. And I, I think it's so interesting because right now what's happening is that there's so many innocent civilians who have been buried under the rubble. And it's just so interesting that this teaching in our Talmud actually teaches us to ask this question about should we be working to save these lives? And I'm convinced that we should. Let me ask you this, though. What, what Israel wants to do is destroy the ability of the Hamas terrorist organization to operate. Hamas is now the de facto government of Gaza. It holds a majority in the parliament uh, of, of Gaza, uh, of the Palestinians. And so, and, and based on the polls of Gazans, they say they view Hamas as the government of their territory. So you have uh, of this area called Gaza, five miles by 25. And so it's an area controlled and operated uh, as it's not a government, it's not a country, but it's being operated by a terrorist organization that has continually waged terrorist attacks on, on Israel proper. So if you don't let Israel destroy Hamas as a terrorist organization, then you're accepting that they will go on, you know, they'll rearm, they'll resituate, and then they'll start killing again. So doesn't it make sense to wipe out Hamas and free the Palestinian people from a terrorist organization? Right now, the people that, that are sure, sure. Right, right now, the people that are destroying Gaza are Israel and the United States. Yeah, they they have um, their hand now. Well, yeah, I mean they're destroying the entire civilian infrastructure. It would be as if the entire city of Portland was completely carpet bombed. That's basically what's happened to Gaza. Everybody's Houses have been destroyed, their water, their electricity, their source of livelihood, and there's nowhere they can go. They keep on getting bombed every day, and so many innocent civilians are being killed. And what we're concerned about, what I'm concerned about as the Jew, is that I condemn what happened on October 7th. In our group, Palestinians and Jews, we condemned it. We issued a statement that we condemned what happened. But now we're also saying that it's time for a ceasefire. There's been way too many innocent civilian lives killed, and we would like the fighting to end. I understand that point that you made. Let me ask you this. Do you have any doubt that if Israel is not allowed to wipe out Hamas, the terrorist organization, that Hamas will be back in six months or a year or two years to kill more people? Well, it's one thing to wipe out a terrorist organization. It's another thing to injure 60,000 people. Into well, how do you get to the terrorist organization when it has insinuated itself among a population that by a large majority supports the terrorist organization. Again, that's why I rely on my Jewish principles of pikuach nefesh. I think that it's not worth killing so many innocent people in order to accomplish that goal. Then, then there is no way to accomplish and we just have to accept that Hamas will continue to exist as a terrorist organization occupying a piece of land that's part of Israel, funded by Iran, and intent on continuing to carry out terrorist attacks. We just have to accept that as inevitable. I think there's a way forward. It's really interesting, you know, because Martin Luther King, uh, the celebration of his life is coming up next Monday. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a way forward through the practice of nonviolence. I think that there's a way forward through negotiation, through discussion, through listening. And there are lots of, there's a lot of nuance to this conversation. No, no, but how do you negotiate really with a group really that murders you. people? How do you negotiate with a group that murders people? 
Well, there's lots of groups that murder people. Right now, the Israelis are murdering people. Well, they're so, killing terrorists, but they're, they're, you know, I guess... They're also just, killing lots of innocent civilians. I understand that, because those civilians support the terrorists. I mean, that the population of Gaza A lot of those tripled. people are children. A lot of that population of that area has tripled. There aren't people fleeing from a place controlled by a terrorist organization. They're moving to there. Uh, no, the population has tripled because so many people, I mean, people have been born there since Well, yeah, but in 20 years, you don't triple a population just by births, do you? It is. It's almost all births, yes. More than 50% of the population and of the other, is under the age. And the other 50% is immigrants. So it's Emma Lugo uh, from KBU Community Radio and supporting the uh, With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. You ready for the big show? Right. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lawrence Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'll get to your phone calls and emails a bit later. I'm going to tell you something. There is something deeply satisfying when you see politicians who have lied long enough and stayed in office long enough that their lies finally catch up with them, and they find themselves trying to explain the unexplainable. And I think Jay Inslee is a perfect example of that in Washington State. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. You can send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. If you happen to be a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line. Uh, just be prepared and have your ducks in a row. Our poll today on X, do we really need to take the male generic pronouns out of state constitutions, as is being proposed in Washington state? And I point out one little problem that Section 1 of the Washington state uh, 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 constitution refers to all able-bodied male citizens between the ages of 18 and 45 are subject to military duty. I guess they're going to change that to pronouns and females as well. Ought to be interesting to see how that works out. But I want to bring on our friend Todd Myers, Environmental Director at the Washington Policy Center. Todd, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on. You've been tracking Jay Inslee's lies, and I'm going to call them lies. 
because correct me if I'm wrong, fourteen or ten years ago, twenty fourteen, uh, the state's own experts said if we go to one of these uh, carbon taxes, that we're going to be adding a not a penny or two or a couple of pennies or reducing the cost of gas, as Jay Inslee has ridiculously suggested, we're going to add 40 or 50 cents to the cost of a gallon of gas, something Jay Inslee denied until it finally happened, and then he blamed the oil companies. Are Jay's lies finally catching up with him as he ends his career as governor? I think so, certainly on this issue. And again, it wasn't just you said it was um, people from Washington State. It wasn't people from Washington State. It was the governor's own chief policy advisor who said this. So in 2014, when the governor was first proposing to put a tax on CO2 emissions, <clears throat> he had a panel and he had a, a study done. And his own chief policy advisor testified before a Senate committee saying, I want to be very transparent about what the costs are going to be. And he said that they could be, you know, 44 cents a gallon. And he actually even said at the time, that's a lot. <laughs> so this is the governor's own uh, policy advisor, which indicates that Governor Inslee has known, has long known, that this would increase gas prices significantly. So I think, you know, up until about a year, a year and a half ago, we could argue that the governor was just misled, that he, it was wishful thinking or it was blindness or something else. With this with this evidence that we have from 2014, it shows that he knew and was intentionally misleading people. Now, is there any chance, I mean, one of the jobs, just like the Congress has a job of oversight of the federal government, the legislature has a job of oversight of state government agencies. I mean, with the Democrats controlling much of what goes on in Olympia, is it still possible that they could haul some people up in front of a committee somewhere where where Republicans have enough juice to do this and get them to call Jay Inslee out on his laws? Well, I think that the incentives are not there for uh, the majority of the Democrats to do that because they all voted for this and they all parroted what the governor said. So it wouldn't be an indictment of the governor. It would be an indictment of them as well. Um, the other issue is, is that the voters are likely to take this into their own hands because there's now an initiative that would repeal um, this law. So um, I think what is more likely to happen is that the legislature will try to either tinker around the edges or try to save the law somehow. But they're very unlikely to, you know, hold somebody accountable because they would essentially have to hold themselves accountable for the same thing. Do you get the sense that Republicans will hold the line and say, you got to get rid of the whole thing? We, we aren't willing to help fix it because one of the things I worry about, Todd, is when they say, well, let's fix it. So they'll tinker around the edges. They'll make some minor differences. They'll, they'll protect some groups like farmers who ought to be protected and were supposed to be protected under the law. But if you do that, then you reduce the incentive to get rid of the whole, the whole thing, since I think the whole thing is morally bankrupt anyway. It, it was designed to punish people for using the fuel they have to use to run their businesses and to live their lives. I don't want to see them tinker around enough that the pain goes away so they can say, well, now it kind of works okay, so let's leave it where it is. It, how about all or nothing? Do you get the sense that Republicans, even though they're in, largely in the majority, uh, are willing to say, no, get rid of the whole thing or, or not? Yeah, because they're in the minority, I think it's, I think that they're not going to be the ones who set the tone. And under any circumstances, um, even if the legislature modified the CO2 tax, it, the worst that would happen, or the, what, what would happen, I should say, is, is that it would go to the voters alongside a complete repeal. So under 
virtually any circumstances, the voters are going to get an opportunity to repeal it completely. If there are, uh, if there is a version that modifies or tinkers things like you're talking about, it wouldn't just get adopted, it would go on the ballot. So um, I think it's very unlikely that the Democrats would agree to anything that substantially changed it, um, it certainly in a way that, that people would agree with, because they're getting pressure from their own special interest groups to keep it in place. So that's what I think is more likely to happen, is that we're going to see it all or nothing. You know, because, Todd, it, it, it floors me. I don't know what goes on inside the heads of Democrats, but they must be hearing from some of their constituents this carbon tax is killing us economically. Even if it's, if it's from tried-and-true Democrats, they've got to say to their state lawmakers, e e this is killing us, and it's not doing any good, so why don't you get rid of it? I'm wondering how the average Democrat, Seattle Puget Sound Democrat, is responding to constituents who say, you got to get rid of this thing. It's not, it's not making the earth any greener, and it's hurting us badly. Stop it. And, and what do they do? Just say, uh, we don't care. We're going to do it anyway? Well, I'll tell you what they would argue. First, they do believe it is making the earth greener because they believe that CO2 is what they say an existential crisis now. Um, I don't agree with that. I don't think the science says anything like that, but they believe that. So the they are willing to accept very high costs to fight that existential crisis. In terms of impacting the economy, they believe two things. One is, is that the damage done by their government program can be just solved by more government programs, more subsidies to special interest groups, to people, you know, low income, things like that. So they believe that they can solve those problems with even more government spending. And lastly, they believe that the money, the tax money that is coming in is better spent by bureaucracies in Olympia, picking and choosing winners about who should get solar panels and other things like that. That's their philosophy. I disagree with that philosophy, but that is their answer on why they think this is not only good for the environment, but good for the economy. Do you know what I want? shows that those things are wrong, but there we are. Todd, I want some of the farmers that are most directly impacted by this. I want them to start some of these European-style protests where they bring a whole wagon full of manure in and spread it around Olympia. I mean, I, it's almost reached the point where if these people don't get the message any other way, that's what might, might have to happen, is have a farmer or two or three or six or 12 of them come in and just say, you guys are going to shovel this stuff and it all slides downhill to us. Guess what? We're going to shovel it right back. That's Todd Myers, Environmental Director at the Washington Policy Center. And yes, I know that's an act of civil disobedience, but not an act of insurrection. In a moment, we're going to talk about what illegal aliens are doing and who they're killing and who, of course, is letting them come into our country. That's next, and your phone calls and emails. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com. View the videos 
and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. The 40th President of the United States always knew where to put the blame. You have blamed mistakes of the past, and you blame the Congress. Does any of the blame belong to you? Yes, because for many years I was a Democrat. This is the Lars Larson Show. Sadly, it, it, it makes an already uh, horrific situation worse, um, because this is someone who apparently has chosen to repeatedly re-enter the country um, illegally, and once here, uh, continues to flaunt the U.S. laws. That is Christopher Decker, and he's a defense attorney, and he's talking about the case involving a 37-year-old illegal alien. The man's name is Jose Guadalupe Menjivar Alas, and he was allowed to continually re-enter the United States and then get deported and then re-enter again. And while he was in our country, he would violate the law on a regular basis, and the system let him do it. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I'll get to your calls in just a moment. But i got to tell you about this case. It's out of Boulder, Colorado. And there's a young lady who's been killed, and her son as well, her teenage son, were both killed by this illegal alien, allegedly. Okay, I think we have no doubt that the automobile crash involving Menjavar Alas, the illegal alien, driving drunk, he ended up living. As so many drunk drivers, it's, it's strange, but you'll see people who are driving drunk, and they never seem to get hurt badly. They just hurt other people. In this case, this Menjavar Alas had been deported four times from the United States, and each time he would enter again. Now, we don't know how many other times he entered illegally and was not caught, but in this case, he was caught because he would come into the United States illegally. He would get caught for drunken driving. He would sometimes be deported, that is, till the state of Colorado decided to be a sanctuary state and say, oh, no, we're not going to turn illegal aliens, even the ones that are committing life-threatening crimes against people in our own state, we're not going to turn them over to ICE or CBP or any of the federal agencies for deportation. But he was deported four different times. The latest time that he came in after being deported, which makes his reentry to the United States a federal felony crime, he appeared before a judge uh, on drunk driving charges. And the judge, number one, did not turn him over to ICE, did not keep him in custody, the judge cut him loose, and I hope the voters in that state get rid of that judge at the next election. So four days after he was cut loose from custody, he got drunk again and drove drunk again. And then he crashed his car into 47-year-old Melissa Powell and her son Reardon, who were in their car. They were killed. The illegal alien stayed alive. <clears throat> and then the illegal alien was taken off to the hospital where he received care uh, for his injuries at the expense of American taxpayers. And now he's facing more serious charges, so likely we'll end up paying for his three hots and a cot and medical care and education while he's sitting in prison after the end of his trial. But this is part of what's going on. And where did he come from? He came from El Salvador. And he was arrested multiple times in Boulder, Colorado for DWI, deported, arrested, deported, arrested over and over again. And what's been happening lately? He has even less trouble than ever coming into the United States because Joe Biden has thrown our border wide open. 
to your calls now at 866-HEY-LARS. Let's start with Chris. Hey, Chris, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, love your show. I love the discussion about the border. Thank uh, you. I don't think a war... Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think a war is necessary. You know what the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo is. That's when the yes, Mexican-America War ended. Um, part of that negotiation almost included Baja California. And, you know, recently the president of Mexico recently said, uh, hey, America, give us $20 billion to stop migrants. Well, in the negotiation, the first party that mentioned the price essentially loses. So I would take that bet. And I'll take, we'll pay $20 billion. We'll accept a certain number of Mexican citizens to have U.S. Uh, citizenship in exchange for all of the land and rights to the sovereignty of Baja California, all the way down to the tip. And it would be the best economic uh, thing that happened in the world. There wouldn't be a, a drop of bloodshed. And when they did this in the original uh, treaty, 90% of the Mexican citizens wanted to be American citizens. What do you well, think about here's, that? You left, you left one piece of that, that bid that the president of Mexico made to Joe Biden because he did ask for $20 billion. He did ask for all these other gimmies. He also asked that we declare 10 million illegal aliens to be legal residents of the United States. And that's a deal killer, Chris. I mean, because we're seeing in, in Joe Biden and in the policies of too many American presidents, Donald Trump was the only one who really stood out as having solid border policies. George W. Bush did not. George, his dad did not. Uh, Obama certainly didn't. And Clinton certainly didn't. But if we tell Mexico we'll let 10 million more illegal aliens become American citizens as part of that deal, and then every one of them gets to have what's called family reunification, which means they get to bring other family members who are also foreign nationals into our country under family reunification. The average right now, the average person who immigrates legally to America and wants to bring in family brings in three more people. So if you say yes to 10 million, you're really saying yes to 40 million people. In other words, you're talking about something that will dramatically change this country. And unfortunately, a lot of these illegals don't have any respect for the laws in this country. And the proof is Mr. Uh, you know, Jose Guadalupe Menjavar Alas, who apparently killed this mother and her son. I'll let you tell me what you think is wrong with that. Well, I just think I'd rather have them living in La Paz and living in La Center, Washington, if they had an economic choice and we stretch the U.S. border south, then they wouldn't have to come as far north. Number So we just Mexi make Mexico part of America. It's an interesting idea, but thank you, Chris. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Glenn. Hey, Glenn, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Afternoon, Lars. My concern with the, the school being taken over in New York. The one in New York? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that it's going to happen a lot more frequently across the U.S. But my concern is when they move the, uh, the illegals out and they're supposed to clean up after them, after <laughs> the school or what, you know, what's going to happen when one of these schools don't quite get all the fentanyl powder, dust or whatever? And one of the students comes back and gets killed because of this. They're, 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 nobody's going to pay attention. Glenn, you're right. And I've pointed out to people, I, I made that charge, I think, earlier this week, that these people, these illegal aliens wreck any building they're put in. And I gave examples out of New York, out of Los Angeles, out of other cities where the cities had literally gone out and either rented or bought 
major hotels and said, we're going to put illegal aliens in there. They put them in for a few weeks or a couple of months, and when they're gone, they, they leave behind millions and millions of dollars of damage. Because if you're staying in a, you know, in a building that's, that's being gifted to you, so you're getting a free place to live, but you're not paying anything for it, and you're not following the law anyway, why would you have respect for other people's property when you clearly don't have respect for the laws of the United States? And that's been the experience in the last couple of years of illegal aliens who are given a free place to live, free food, free medical care, and everything else. And the way they pay that back is by wrecking the place they live in. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. You can foresee it that uh, I'm hoping that they're going to issue drug-sniffing dogs through there before they allow the kids to come back in. Let's hope, because you, you're right. A little bit of fentanyl could end up with one dead high school student. And the idea that American school students are being booted out of their classrooms as they were in Brooklyn, New York, that ought to offend everybody in this country. You've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Nixon was wrong about a lot of things, but he's right about this. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. What say you, Joe Biden? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you. And I'll get back to your phone calls and emails shortly. I want to talk to Ryan Walters, who's the superintendent of state schools in Oklahoma. And, Ryan, I have to tell you something. From a distance, when I watch the news coverage, it's like Oklahoma has become ground zero for the right way to run schools. And this is driving the liberals nuts. It sounds like your your school, your Oklahoma schools are in the news on a regular basis for doing the right thing. The same way the Loudoun County, Virginia schools were in the are in the news almost every week for doing the wrong thing. You've become the go-to when it comes to how do we run our schools in a way that actually serves the kids and the parents well. Well, I really appreciate that, Lars. You know, we really do think we're we're laying out a blueprint here on how we get our schools back on track here in Oklahoma. But you know, you've got to start with the foundation that parents know best for kids, and you and that we've got to put high expectations on kids and get these left-wing radicals out of our schools. And so we are we are fighting it every day here, but we have had a lot of success. Well, and lately you had this most recent development, and it's funny, I think we had just talked to you, and I saw this story pop up. NBC News said that you had to go out and get an emergency order from the courts to deal with a, an, another one of these transgender issues. Would you mind telling my audience about how that went down? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, NBC did a pretty big piece on this this week where, you know, we had a um, transgender, um, uh, you know, kids that came in and their parents came in and demanded that the schools go back retroactively, change all their records to reflect the new gender. And the school said, well, no, I mean, we're not going to go back and change, I mean, like, official records. And, no, we're not going to do that. Well, then they got a federal judge to step in and say, school district, you have to do this. Well, my board, we passed in a board order and said, no, we're not going to do this. We are not going to go back, retroactively change official records um, to say that a kid is a new gender. And frankly, I told them, we're not playing these transgender games. It is lying to kids. It is confusing children. It is upending families. We're not doing it. Yeah, you are your gender that you were assigned at birth. We're not going back and changing records. We're not going to kowtow to a Biden judge. And so here in Oklahoma, we're just, we're just not going to play those games. 
Well, and in fact, I want you to focus on one piece of that. This was the parents demanding this? Yes. What is going on there that parents are participating in something like this when they have to understand it, it doesn't and usually doesn't work out well for, for the kids who are, who are the subject of all this? I know they're saying, oh, we're saving this kid's life by going along with whatever's going on inside of his or her head uh, because if we acknowledge their gender change, we're going to save them from suicide. Do they realize that when you look at what's going on here and in Great Britain and other places that are culturally similar, an awful lot of transgender people who make that change, whether they do the hormones or the surgery or all of it, don't end up happy at the other end of it, and a lot of them end up committing suicide anyway. Uh, and, and, Lars, that's the real tragic part of this. The wokeism is a mind virus. I mean, people have allowed themselves to be to believe that a kid that is biologically of one gender, that, that, the, that the cause to, frankly, typical teenage angst. I mean, there's always, as you're going through puberty, as you're growing up, you're always, you know, you're learning about yourself. You're, you're, they've taken that and now started to inject that you might be a new gender. And if you're a new gender, we might need to physically alter your body through surgery. We might need to start giving you hormones. This is so so unhealthy for kids it's dangerous for kids and you're exactly right what we have seen is suicide rates and, and, and other mental problems have continued to skyrocket amongst these kids that once they start entering into a transition the reality is, is what we need to do is support our kids we need to we need to only affirm truth don't lie to them and again this is where i think we've got to get back to a place where in school we're focused on the basics we're not injecting crazy ideology to our kids and again the, the, the real belief is that you're all talented, you're all uniquely created by, by a creator, and we want to get that potential out of you, and you're special, you're unique, and that's what we should focus in on, not trying to inject this ideology into the classroom. I'm talking to Ryan Walters, who's the Oklahoma State School Superintendent and a former U.S. history teacher, so he's had his time in the classroom. There's another part of this, and I want to know whether or not you're seeing evidence of this. Uh, it just occurred to me, but a, a, about a year ago, I saw a study out of Canada. And it's the only place I see looking at this, and they say there's a strange or a strangely high number of autistic kids who are who are saying, I am, I'm transgender, I need to change my gender ideology. And that it's maybe as many as a third of them. And they've suggested that, you know, for an awful lot of autistic kids, they feel like they're on the outside. Like, the, you know, they don't relate to the other kids and the other kids don't relate to them. But all of a sudden, if they announce I'm changing my gender, th that becomes a point of acceptance. You know, like if I had a bunch of buddies who were all into football and I said, OK, I'll I'll get into football, maybe a bad comparison. But the idea is that to some extent, this movement is taking advantage of kids who are disabled. Right. And and that's even more disturbing. So some of the kids, maybe not all of them, but maybe a substantial number are kids who are already disabled in one way or another through autism. And, and don't take any don't don't have anybody take that the wrong way. I'm just saying if there's a, you know, a small percentage of kids who are autistic, but a large percentage of kids who are autistic and change their genders, there may be a connection there. And you may be dealing with kids who truly are up against a disability, and now a political movement is taking advantage of that. Yeah, and you know, and this is where, you know, we are the, the adults are supposed to be the ones that are being truthful with kids, that are helping guide kids through childhood, and now we have adults that have just, you know, this wokeism has just taken them and so blinded them, they're leading kids down the wrong path. 
they they are confusing kids even more. Rather than yes, when kids have questions, when kids are are maturing, you have you have kind of more mature conversations with them. But to inject this belief of well, these questions you have or, or this maturity that you're going through, you're a new gender, and let's start talking about surgery. Let's start reaffirming that entirely and, and changing your records, and you're a new person. That old person is dead. I mean, you start looking at what this does to the mental well-being of a, of a young person. It's incredibly detrimental. And the reality is, is this, you know, a, you look at the skyrocketing of kids saying they're transgender. Why is it all of a sudden happening? Because, again, this is now social pressure. It's societal pressure from the left. Like, yeah, this, is, this should be widely accepted. And, hey, these confusions you might have might mean you're a new gender. The reality is, is that is the worst thing to be telling them. It's more important to try to help them, um, you know, mature and, into, uh, into adulthood. So this, this case involving Jay Doe, the one where you had to take emergency action and go to court on it, where does that one sit right now? Well, yeah, you know, they, they filed a lawsuit against me, which the left loves to do this. So, you know, I, I win an election handily. Um, I get our agenda items through the legislature. We ban critical race theory, ban, you know, have school choice now, ban this transgender ideology in our schools. So now they just sue me every week. So, you know, now I've got the left and they try to sue me. They think they're going to bully and intimidate me um, and those that are standing with me on these issues. So, you know, hey, we'll see them in court, uh, you know, and uh, we feel very confident in our uh, uh, legal jurisprudence around this case. And we're going to keep fighting to keep the classroom about academics and about truth, not uh, this type of transgender ideology. Well, and in fact, uh, Superintendent Walters, uh, I think that if you have a child who's clearly got some difficulties upstairs, you know, some mental difficulties adjusting to their gender. I get that. But if parents decide to participate and say, well, we're going to get him, you know, him or her uh, a hormone surgery, we're going to go along with this, I think that's a form of child abuse. And and I really wish, but I, I imagine these days, with all the wokeism going on, that if you say, well, we're going to go and take a, a hard look at what these parents are doing to facilitate their kids' fantasies, that that's not going to go over well with the left either. Brian Walters is the superintendent of the Oklahoma State Schools. He's fighting a good battle. And in a lot of places in America, there isn't any champion for that battle at all. And I'd love to talk to naysayers about it who think, well, we can just fix these kids with enough surgery and enough hormones, with chemical castration, maybe a double mastectomy. We're going to fix the problems of these kids. I don't think so. I think that's child abuse. Back in a moment. Glad to get your calls at 866-A-LARS. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. 
Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Gun Control Explained. Want to stop drunk drivers from killing sober drivers? Ban sober drivers. That's how gun control works. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. And throughout the Pacific Northwest, we're likely to see some snow, so be ready for that. Make sure you're stocked up. And if you don't have to drive somewhere, don't. The poll on X we have for today. Do we really need to take all the male pronouns out of state constitutions? It's being proposed in Washington state by, of course, a Democrat, Bill Ramos, who's a Democrat representative from Issaquah. He says we want to take out the 100 male pronouns in the Washington state con constitution. I looked up the constitution, went back through it this morning. Turns out section one says who is liable to military duty. If you take the male pronoun out, and replace it with a generic or an all-encompassing neutral term, they're going to declare all women in the state of Washington are liable to military duty. And I wonder how they're going to work around that. Today's poll on X can be found at Lars Larson Show on X. It can also be found on our website at LarsLarson.com and brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. To your calls now, let's start with uh, Brandon. Hey, Brandon, sorry about the unfortunate name, but that's okay. Uh, welcome to the program, and what's on your mind? Hey, Lars, uh, I just wanted to mention... Uh, one, I work at a hotel, and um, we get a lot of people sent over to Oregon. Uh, I get homeless people with stacks of cash coming from Montana or just the craziest places, the East Coast. Um, getting a lot of immigrants, too, and they they also have stacks of cash, and it's, all, it's really confusing how these people have stacks of cash. Well, Joe Biden, as I understand it, uh, when when many of the illegals are coming across, the federal government and private groups, nonprofits that are often funded by our taxpayer dollars, like the UN, NGOs run by the UN, are saying these people have to have some money in their hands so they can, you know, meet the basic necessities of life. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying this is what they're doing. They take our money. If it comes from the UN to NGOs and then to the illegal, it's our tax money. If it comes from the Biden administration uh, through the CBP or or ICE, and then to the illegals, it's our money. Uh, you know, that may be one explanation. Yeah, it's really sad when um, our vets don't get anything. And it almost makes me wonder if this is to cripple America. I think so. I mean, that and provide a voter base for, for Democrats. Because, Brandon, I made oh, yeah. the point that earlier this week we found out Arizona is now telling illegal aliens... You have to show proof of citizenship if you want to vote. But, but if you don't have proof of citizenship, we will still sign you up to vote, and you can vote in federal elections, meaning the presidential election, among other things. That's, that's very concerning. I, I, it's, it's just a strange world we live in now. Very yeah, it very much is. Brandon, thanks so much for the call. 866-439-5277. Let me go to Michelle. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars. Um, I was happily 
going through the radio and I picked up your show. I don't normally listen, but I know of you. Um, Thank you. You were just talking to the gentleman about uh, the superintendent about transgenders in schools. Yep. And there are two kinds of trans folk. There are the kind that are truly misunderstanding who they are when they're growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are the kinds that it's a fetish. Okay. That's, I mean, that's basically the two categories. I am a trans woman. I have been for 12 years now, as far as I, you know, went through the, the process. Um, people, when they talk about abuse and things like that, I can tell you this. It's abusive to make someone not be who they are. I was terrified as a kid to be who I was. Um, I remember when I was to, a kid, to be male, still young. Right? It was, it was yeah. abu- it, 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 you were male, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, all right. And even as a kid, pre-10 years old, uh, I looked out wishing that if I could ever have one wish, it was to be a woman. At 10, I knew. And I sat terrified and in closet most of my adult life until I finally couldn't take it anymore. The reason you're seeing a surgeon's of this is because it's become more accepted. That's that's the main reason. It has nothing to do with the woke society. Does that or whatever explain you the wanna... gigantic surge that we've seen in people claiming to be trans? Yes, because it's it's now you're not going to get bullied or beat up or or uh, um, harmed in some way. You're allowed to actually be who you are. Well, how about what do you think of the idea? My idea would be if you're an adult and you want to go out and do things to your body. Uh, that's your business. Don't make me pay for it through taxes like Medicare and, and other services. But if you're an adult, do whatever crazy thing you want. I mean, I often wonder why an awful lot of younger people who appear to be attractive young men and women, this is not a trans issue, uh, they'll have all kinds of piercings in their face. And I think you had a nice looking face before you, you know, put all these piercings through it. But why? I, but it's, it's not my business. You, you want to mutilate your body, go ahead. But mutilating children, could we agree, should be absolutely off limits chemically or surgically? Well, the problem is, is that if you are like me and you should be something else, um, there's actually physical, uh, um, medical reasoning for us to be. Okay, sorry. Um, no, I don't think it's mutilation for trans to be who they are. So if we take um, a 14-year-old girl, a 14-year-old boy, and chemically castrate him, that's okay? If that's their, if that's their identity, yeah. At 14, they're going to make that kind of life-changing decision. Michelle, I can't agree with you on that. you got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.